Hi, I'm Associate Pastor Ryan French, and we're so glad you're listening to the Apostolic Tabernacle Church podcast. We hope this teaching and preaching resource is a blessing. We'd love to pray for you. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, you can do so by visiting our website, www.aptabupc.com. Just click the prayer request tab in the menu. You can also support this ministry with an offering at the website as well, or by texting the word GIVE to 678-846-6522. Again, that's 678-846-6522. If you live in the Atlanta area, we'd be honored to see you in one of our services. We'll invite you right into our church family and make you feel right at home. Anybody love the Word of God tonight? Anybody out there love the Word of God? This is what we've come for tonight. And uh, so we're going to ask you to get your Bibles, and uh, we're going to have a good time uh, in a look at, and I'm calling it God Our Savior. That's what we'll entitle it, and uh, we're going to leave it that way. But I'm actually uh, talking about Christmas. It's a Christmas lesson. And uh, we're beginning in Jude 25, just one chapter in Jude. So verse 25 is the last verse. We'll read that, and then we'll get right into our lesson, God our Savior. The, the fact that Jesus is the Savior is proof that he's God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Anybody believe that Jesus is God? Someone said, well, he's God, but he's not the only God. Well, that, that, that can't be. He, if he's God, he's the only God. There's just one God. Anybody believe there's just one God? So we're going to look at that tonight. And I, I, gotta, I brought a couple things. I got to move out of the way here in a moment. But uh, let's look at Jude 25. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. I've been thinking uh, this week, and I was very, uh, oh, just sort of chomping to uh, teach on the Lord's Prayer, and and uh, I was thinking about our, I'm, our, our Father, which art in, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says, for thine is the kingdom. Everybody say Kingdom. See, in other words, why does it say, why does it end with that? You know, they've cut that out of the new Bibles. Does anybody know that's cut out of the new Bibles? Now, I don't want you to know. I'm telling you, but I don't want you to know. How many knows the word pestilence is cut out of the new Bibles? It doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say there'll be pestilence in the end time. They've cut that out of the new Bibles. You know why? And folks, I have a degree in Greek, and I can tell you, I know exactly why. They found a couple manuscripts that they love, and they throw all the thousands away and say, who cares about them? And that's exactly why they cut it out. Because a few manuscripts didn't have it. These egg- Hey, folks, do you really think we're going to get to heaven because all the smart people are going to tell us how to get to heaven? That's not going to get us to heaven. We're going to get to heaven because we obey the gospel. Praise God. All right, don't get me stirred up. I'm I'm just on my first verse. All right, so to the only wise God, our Savior, 
be glory and majesty, dominion and power. Isn't that interesting? Be glory and majesty, dominion and power. That would be the Lord's prayer if it didn't have the word majesty in there. That would be the ending of the Lord's prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now, the word only here, but he say the only. To the only wise God, our Savior. <clears throat> so what we're going to focus on for just a few minutes here tonight is that for Jesus to be the Savior of the world, even though he is a, was a man, demonstrates that he is, in fact, God. To be the Savior, even though he's a man. Now, I can hear all the eggheads saying, well, there were saviors out there and different ones came along, and they weren't God. I know that. But for Jesus to be the Savior of the world, I mean, it's one thing to save Israel from Egypt and be a Savior, but to save the world. Anybody thankful that Jesus saved your soul? He saved my soul from sin. Remember that old song? Oh, don't, oh my goodness, Sister French is in here. I was going to start singing that. Gave me peace and joy within. Remember that? Remember that? I don't remember any more of that song than just that. But I love that song. To the only wise God. Now the word only is the Greek word mono, which I put here. But it means alone. It can be translated either only or alone. It is God only, or, or I mean, God alone. So to the, to the God who is alone. Now, everybody say alone. So when you say that, that means there are no other gods with him. If you're alone, okay, if I say I'm alone on the platform, what does that mean? That there's nobody else up here with me. You see? And that's exactly what the word Savior does. It narrows down who Jesus is. Now, <clears throat> let, me, let me do this because um, are you able to see that picture that that's a manger and there's a cross in the back? It's, it, in mine, it's a little hard to tell. But um, uh, I don't want to be uh, negative or morbid, but this idea of the manger and remember the old song? I remember years ago when I first got baptized in Jesus' name, they were singing a song, and I know it was written by a oneness person because I later met them. Um, Sister French, remember, I don't know if you knew the song, but I was singing the song when we met, and it was, and I forget the name of it, but it was something like, um, Tell Me How Much I Owe. Remember that? I want to repay. Yes, that's the song. All right. So, so that song begins. I know who wrote it. I'm not going to name the person, but I know who wrote that song. And it says, from the, from the manger to the grave, Jesus, uh, and then it goes into what Jesus did from the very beginning. In other words, he wasn't just born, and it wasn't just Christmas trees and, and, uh, and stars and, and stars on top of trees. It was Jesus came to save the world. Does anybody know he couldn't save him without giving his blood? Without, without the sacrifice of blood, there is no remission of sins. It took his death to bring salvation. He was the savior of the world because he came to give his life in our place. Now, the devil may come up and say, well, you're not worthy. Yes, devil, but the Lord is worthy. He took my place at Calvary. 
So I became a different person. I can be whatever God wants me to be. You can be whatever God wants you to be. To the only wise God, to the God who is alone, he's our savior. There is only one God and only one savior. There's only one God and there's only one savior. Everybody say that. One God, one savior. So whoever the savior is, that's God. And whoever God is, that's the Savior. There isn't any way around it. Now, I wanna, we're going to jump into a couple of scriptures, but, but we're in Jude 25. So before I go into the Old Testament, um, let me do two things. I, wanna read it. I want you to grab your Bibles. Does anybody read your Bible? I mean, you, don't, you don't just read computers, do you? you? You actually have a Bible. You read a Bible. Um, now, you see that Greek word there, soter. You, you don't have to care about it. Just don't, don't act like you don't care. Just kind of act like you really care. Like, ooh, oh, hallelujah. Just to think that the Greek word for a, a savior is soter. In Greek, that is. And so I put the word there, soter. There is no other word for savior. There, isn't, there aren't three words. They're not a kind of a blended word. No, they're just one word for savior. And it's soter. Now, it, you know that... Um, um, so tear is the word for save. Everybody say save. You see, so tear is the root word for save. And, and, and so a savior means the someone who saves us. Someone who does what we need. And anybody thankful you've been saved? God saved your soul. Picked you. Anybody remember the old song? He picked me up from the miry clay. And what's that song, Sister French? Nobody's listening to me anyway. So, uh, Sister French, you're not even listening to me. So he picked me up from the miry clay. What's that song? What? Um, uh, it's it's oldie. And uh, he. Uh, pick me up from the miry clay and turn my, put my feet on the rock to say, isn't, isn't that a song? We used to sing it one day uh, 500 years ago. He picked me up from the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. I can't think of, all I can do is think of two lines of songs. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. All right, so, so tear is the word save. And so that makes good sense that so tear is the word for savior. The one who saves us, the one who, and that simply means a deliverer. To say they save, that, that doesn't, uh, it means you, if you're going into a fire, you need to be saved from the fire. Someone has to deliver you out of the fire. Someone goes in, someone makes it possible. They're, they're the so tear. Now, the other thing I want to do before I read a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to have to hold this mic and, and, and this Bible. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can hold it and get to these scriptures. Uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton, has anybody ever heard of the British, uh, very, well, he's famous, but uh, G.K. Chesterton wrote a poem called The House of Christmas, and I, I got this line from it, and I'm going to, I just want to read it. I wouldn't normally do it, but I, I don't figure it's going to matter anyway. So these are two lines at the end of the poem, The House of Christmas, which is a great little poem. I didn't know he was a poet necessarily. He was really a theologian, but he wrote the poem, and the poem's lines say, to the place, talking about the manger, to the place where God was homeless and all men are at home. In other words, he was, 
in a borrowed uh, horse trough, basically, in the hay, he was homeless, as it were, because he was born away from home, and all men, though, at Christmas time, are at home. There's something about it. And I don't begrudge people celebrating Christmas who are not Christians, uh, even if they're hostile to Christmas, because the very celebration of, the, of, of Christmas uh, has value, whether it's uh, in, because you have great faith or, you, or not. Uh, even if it's all about the gifts and the wrapping and the tinsel and the trees and all that. The idea that Christmas is about a savior that makes a difference in people's lives. He turns our lives around. We're not what we used to be. Some of you, when you first got saved, you were a better Christian than you are right now. Because your attitude right now has devolved. You get, you know, and you know what? You go through cycles as a Christian. So for a while there, you're doing, whoa, man, I'm really shouting. And, and then you get, oh, I'm, oh, man, someone hurt my feelings. And then you just sort of get into this mood. And, and, and through life, you go through cycles. But you know what you have to do? You always have to, you, want, you know why this altar is here? It's the place where we get back to being what Christ is all about. Lord, I want you to make me in your image. I want you to help me to be what I ought to be. And of course, in a, in a year like we're having, where there are so many uh, challenges and ups and downs, I mean, it's really mind-boggling. I, I was thinking, uh, I don't know, we're trying to decide if this is the biggest Brother, brother French left, um, but uh, this may be one of the biggest months of forgiving we've ever had. I think it is. I mean, I, if it isn't, then, then man, I, I, where have I been? I mean, it has been, a, and, I, and I look at it and I think, how are we having the greatest giving we've ever had when we have rarely, I mean, we take up an offering and then we've cut services down and so on. It's just a mind boggling. I mean, even if it is not the biggest month we ever had, it is definitely in the top two or three. So what, what's happening? But you know what? God is still God. Anybody believe he's still God? He's still God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he is the one in charge of everything. And he is God alone. Now, folks, I want to tell you right now, I used to be a Trinitarian, but I'm not a Trinitarian anymore. You don't find the word Trinity in the Bible. Has anybody ever found the word Trinity in the Bible? And people have said to me, well, so what? And I would say, well, I don't know. What do you think? What, I mean, let's, what's the most important doctrine in the world to you? Well, the Trinity. Well, why isn't that word in the Bible? It'd be like saying God is, I believe in God, but the word God's not in the Bible. Well, that'd be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? I mean, the idea, the, well, the concept is in the Bible. And of course, I do understand that. They think the concept of the Trinity is in the Bible. But of course, it's not. How many knows that God is not multiple? God is one. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and say, Lord, I love you and I worship you as the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. That is a prayer. Now, I want to read, uh, grab your Bibles. You, you don't, uh, it wouldn't hurt you to read along here. Now, look at Titus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to Titus 2.13 in just a second. I'm not sure that I can, I had a, <laughs> oh, I know what I can do. Okay. 
I, I can't do this with one hand. That's my problem. All right, so Titus 1 and 3. I'm actually there, so I'm going to read it. But uh, I could read all these verses, but uh, I'm just going to read three. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Everyone say God our Savior. So God is our Savior. That's, I mean, what could, there's uh, 24 verses like this in the New Testament which say this. God is our Savior. And then it says, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. Uh, I'll skip that. No, I can't skip that. Uh, after the common, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our what? Oh, you're not looking at Our what? Our Savior. Now, we just read in Jude that there's only one God and Savior. There's only one God who's Savior. And it says here, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, let's, uh, so some of you are like, mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. So uh, I'm going to have to let the Bible go like this. And I'm going I'm, <laughs> to, all right. So now I brought the, uh, I brought a Greek Testament. I want to read, I'm not going to read it, but I want to, um, uh, 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 because I, I got to thinking, so I, I'm assuming that some people will think. Now, for example, this happens to have a King James Bible on the side. So I'm, I'm going to read the, the side here. First, Second Peter 1 and 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have attained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, this will work if you have a Bible. You could, or are you, well, and they're, okay, they're going to help me out. That's, that's better because I know some of you don't, don't have it in front of you. All right. Uh, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I can hear a Trinitarian saying, well, that means God and our Savior. In other words, there's God, that's one person, and then our Savior's another person. So I, I well, okay, I get it. You, you think when it says the righteousness of, what's the King James say? Of, of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'd have to ask you, of course, you mean there's two different, right, two different righteousness? Uh, God has righteousness, and, this, and, and the, Jesus Christ, the Savior, has right? No, of course not. It's talking about one God. Okay, but look over at verse, what is it? Verse uh, 11. Okay, so verse 11, I'm, I'm having to follow. This is just on the side of the Greek here. I'm trying to read it. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of what? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many knows if you didn't want to say the name of God in the Old Testament, what word did the Jews use? Anybody remember, the, remember this at all? They would say what? Adonaiah. So for example, Shema Yisrael Adonaiah, I'm, su I'm doing what the Jews do. I substitute when I read Hebrew. I do it like the, I don't say Yahweh because to the Jewish mind, you couldn't speak the name of God. So they would say Shema Yisrael Adonaiah Eloheinu Adonaiah Echad. What they were doing is substituting the word Lord for God. And here Jesus is called the Lord. So if he is the Lord, our God, then he is the one and only God. But here it says in verse 11, ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. 
Is anybody awake? Is anybody almost awake? Or is you, are you just completely fried with the turkey? You're just completely gone. Okay, so, so here's what I hear Trinitarians trying to do. Well, that must mean, this means Lord and Savior. That's just one person. But when you say our God and Savior, that's two persons. You see, they're trying to make God and Savior two persons. But I, the reason I brought the Greek is the word our, which is what determines the, the, if you have a, a, the word our or the word the, the God and Savior, and there's only one, that means they go together. That's what the Greek, that's a Greek rule. If you say the God and Savior, that's talking about one thing. If you want it to be two things, you have to say the God and the Savior. That is a Greek rule. So when you say God and Savior, our God and Savior, and there's just one hour, then that's meant to go together. And that's exactly what we have in the Greek here. In other words, when you talk about Jesus Christ, even though he was a man, everybody say praise the Lord, he was also God. Does anybody believe that? He's still God. He was a man, but he's still God. He's our God and Savior. Okay, now let's go a little deeper. Some of you, I'm just, I'm just gonna have to go deeper without you. Okay, here we go. Now, Isaiah, here we go. Let's look, and if you, you, you don't have to turn to these. I'm going to read them right off of this page here. So the Old Testament refers to the one God as our Savior 12 times. All right, I'm going to read from Isaiah, which does it eight times. So most of them are in Isaiah. Now, listen, as I read, now, uh, Yasha is the Hebrew word Savior, and so, uh, but we're going to read from verse uh, 3 of chapter 43. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy, what? Savior, thank you. All right, thy Savior, I, even I, am the Lord... And beside me there is what? No Savior. Now, I know what Trinitarians want to do. I've done it myself. But they want to say, well, there's, God is the Savior and Jesus is the Savior. And, and one's the Son and one's the Father. And they're two separate uh, persons of God. They wouldn't say two gods, although that's ultimately how they avoid it. It's just mind-boggling because that's actually what they're saying. But So here's two. They're both Saviors. But, but God says, I am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. He's getting ready to predict in chapter 7 that, that, that the Messiah is coming. And he's saying, there is no other Savior than me. What he's saying is, I am the one that's coming. And I am the one that is going to save the world. Now, let's look at uh, chapter 45. There is, and it's right there by the hand of God there. There is no, that's what that is in case you're not awake. Uh, that's the hand of God, supposedly. There is no God else beside me. Everybody say God. See, I just told you there's only one God and there's only one Savior. There is no God else beside me and a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. That's what Isaiah says. That's what the Old Testament says about the Savior when it begins to talk about, uh, about uh, the, uh, 
the birth of Christ. Now, let's go to Titus 2. Now, let's go to the next slide. Uh, Titus 2, I'm beginning at 11. I'm going to read a few verses. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Everybody say, appeared to all men. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Everybody say, appeared. All right, the, the idea is God is invisible, but God has appeared. He has come in the man, Christ Jesus. God was invisible, but he has come as the man, Christ Jesus. He has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and Godly, I left, so I didn't type that right. In this present world, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God. And there you have the the. It's called, it governs the entire phrase. When you say the great God, it's not trying to say there's a great God and then there's Jesus over here. The word the governs it all. The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Let's, let's clap our hands and thank God for it right now. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you for it. Now, let's go to Matthew 1. And, and they're going to keep up. We're going to go through it quickly. So, so then who is Jesus? Now, all of you listening to me and you're thinking, well, I'm basically a Trinitarian and, you know, Jesus wouldn't pray to himself and all that. And, and that's what you've lived on for 100 years. I feel like the Holy Ghost is wanting us to think about this Christmas, that for Jesus to be the Savior then he must be God. Now let's think of it this way. And not another God. Someone says, oh, I believe he's God, but I think he's another God. He's not the, there's not just one God, there's multiple persons in God, they would say. And so then the question you have to ask is, well, why didn't Moses know that? And why is the Old Testament void of such a notion? And that's because it isn't true. Jesus is not another God. He is the one and only God. He is God alone. So you may not like it, but I'm telling you the truth. It's time for revival. Jesus is coming, and it is time to get right with God. Put us in prison. Do what you're going to do, but we're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to preach that Jesus is Lord of all. He is the God of heaven. He robed himself and came to this earth. Now, Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus, I'm only reading these few words from 18 and then I'm jumping to 23. The birth of Jesus was on this wise, which by the way, I love Matthew's account of the story. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. And you know why Matthew, you know why people have a hard time with Corinthians when they read Corinthians? Because the translators were a bunch of, they, they, they were very... See, every book of the King James Bible was translated by different men. And the translators of Corinthians wanted to make it as hard as they could make it. And so it sounds like you're reading sometimes in Corinthians, what in the world does that mean? And it could be simplified by just some, a Greek scholar simplifying what is being said there. In Matthew, what you have is one of the most glorious. Matthew is writing in such a way as to make it like he is, it's like he is introducing the king. That, by the way, does anybody know the theme of the book of Matthew? It's the king of kings, hallelujah. Does anybody love him here today? He's the king of kings. 
So he, the birth of Jesus was on this way. So, so when Matthew is writing and the translators are translating, uh, you're, you're reading some really good stuff here. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. What are we quoting? Isaiah 7. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God is a trinity. Does anybody see that in there? How many see it? So I, I, some of you woke up, though, for the first time since we've been in this room. All right. No, no, no. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, meaning a man, a boy. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. For he, being interpreted, being interpreted is God with us. Praise God. So Jesus is God with us. Can we just love him one more time and just let's just thank him. Father, we thank you because it is true. You are with us and you are working in us and we magnify your name. Give you praise. Now, we're going to go over to Isaiah 9. So we're, we're, we're staying in Isaiah. I didn't realize we we're doing so much in Isaiah, but we're trying to look at the question of, uh, of the Savior. Now, <clears throat> uh, Let's look at this again, verse uh, 6 of chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. Would, would you like to read it with me? Would, I'm going to stop and on, but would that be okay if we read it? Is it not that hard? We know this verse. Let's read it together. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, one of the persons of the Trinity. I was talking to a Trinitarian recently, and they said, I said, well, you know, it says, he said, well, no, nowhere does the Bible call Jesus the Father. I said, I said, wait, 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 wait. Uh, so you've never read John 14, where they said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been so long time with you that do, dost thou not know me, Philip? And, and he said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And he said, well, that doesn't call Jesus the Father. I said, no, I'm probably not. So uh, in his mind, it didn't. And so I said, well, what do you think that means? Well, that means that when you see Jesus, it's almost the same as seeing the Father because there's so much alike. The Cappadocians and said that, uh, that the Father, Son, and the Spirit are identical twins. And I was in a, 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 a theological class sometime back and years ago, and and uh, we were talking about the Cappadocians, and, and I, I raised my hand, and I said, I have a question. And he said, is it going to be blasphemous? Because this, this professor knew that I, that I did not agree with the theological nonsense that goes along with Trinitarian thinking. And he said, um, I said, no, no, it's not going to be blasphemous. It's, it's, it's really not. I just want to say this. I said, if they're identical twins and they have identical power, and they do identically the same things, why do we need them? 
Wouldn't we just need one? If one of them has all power, why does the second one need to be there? That is not what the Bible seems to be saying to me. In fact, of the matter is, to, to the idea that we're trying to get these persons of the Godhead to be something the Bible never says they are. Let me tell you, my friend, when Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that's exactly what he meant. When you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so this same fella said, I'm trying to get, I got to go back to that. I don't want to lose my train here. So uh, I said, well, you know, there is Isaiah prophesied that he would be called the everlasting father. And he said, yeah, but the Hebrew doesn't mean the everlasting father. And I said, oh, oh, I see. So what does the Hebrew mean? He, and I, of course I said, and, and you've had how much Hebrew? And he said, well, I took a semester in between uh, mowing lawns. And I said, no, he didn't say that. I'm just kidding. And so I said, okay, so you've had a little bit of Hebrew and you're telling me because you read it somewhere in a book that the everlasting father is not what the Hebrew says. What does the Hebrew say in your understanding? He said, well, the Hebrew to my understanding says the father of eternities I said, well, you're exactly right. The Hebrew means the father of all eternity, which means everlasting father. He is, folks, listen, why would you call Jesus the father at all? If he's not the father, Jesus was the son because the son was the human manifestation of the father. The baby born in that manger was God himself wrapped in flesh and placed in a manger. Praise God. So his name shall be called wonderful. Everybody say wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. So the Savior is called the mighty God. Now some of you are going to miss this. But it is so very important. And I have been beat as your pastor. I have been in settings with dozens and hundreds of Trinitarian people that disliked anybody that challenged this notion. And they would pulverize anybody that said otherwise. But when you say the mighty God... You see, when you were, use the word the, like we're going to read here in Titus 2 in just a moment, that's why the new Bibles have cut it out. When you say the president, do you know who you're talking about? Well, we're having a little trouble at the moment, but you know what you're talking about, right? You're talking about who the president is. That, we're not talking about when Obama was president, unless you're talking about when Obama was president. He still retains the term president. But when you're talking in a present term and you say the president, you're talking about a specific. That's why we have articles is to be specific. If you say, who is the father of the boy? You're talking about a specific father because there are millions of fathers. And when you say the mighty God and ever and the everlasting father, 
and the Prince of Peace. Could you just give God some praise right now and thank him because you know who he is and that his glory is filling the temple in these last days. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> Let me tell you, folks, you, you, you need to have a made-up mind because in this world that we're living in, your faith is going to be challenged. Your faith is going to be challenged. I want to tell you something. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. My faith is not resting upon this church. That's not what my faith rests on. Now, I thank God every day. I love everything I'm doing. I love you more than I can even express with words. But I am not serving this church. I am not serving some people that tell me how to talk and how to live. I am serving a mighty God. I am the servant of God. No matter what happens, if they take it all away, they cannot take away the glory that God has placed inside of me. Take it all. The old song used to say, take it all. Take it all. What this world can offer me Take it all. It's really time to get a, a made-up mind. Some of you, you know, sometimes people think they're going to play church and play around with God, and sometimes they don't really mean to. I can't tell you the people that have said, I'll get back, Brother French, I'll get back. And uh, they never get back. I'll get back. No, no, don't say it. Don't, don't say that. You're not going to get back. The devil's already got a place. He's all got it all lined up for you. You're not going to get back. The only way you'll ever get back is if you have a made up mind and you're determined that this world is not my home. This world is not my God. I am not serving man. I'm serving God. I have come to serve God no matter what they say. Now, I'm not telling this church that I want harm to come or I want opposition. I do not want harm to come and I do not want opposition. But the truth will bring what it will bring and we will preach it until Jesus comes. That is what God wants us to do. Praise God. Clap your hands one more time. I need to get on here. I know I'm, I'm getting excited and I shouldn't be doing that. All right, now let's go to Colossians. So who is Jesus? He's the image. Everybody say the image. He's the image of the invisible God. Oh, he's the image of the invisible God. So how many knows that God doesn't have an image? You, you can't worship any images whatsoever. Jesus is the only image. I, I'd go to Hebrews 1, but I, I don't want to belabor it. I want to say it. I'm going to move on. Jesus is the visible. Let, let's see here. He is the image of the invisible. Is anybody with me here? Yes. 
you can't see God. John says in chapter 1, verse 18, no man hath seen God at any time. And every time I say that, they say, well, what about what did Moses see? And I say, well, no man hath seen God at any time. So whatever you're going to do with what Moses saw and the hinder parts and all of that, I'm telling you right now, God's invisible. And when Jesus came, he was the image of that God. So when Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the image of God himself. That's why the Jews picked those stones up to kill him. Now, if he had said, I'm the second person of the Trinity, they'd have said, this man needs a doctor. They wouldn't have said, Here's some stones. We're going to kill him. All right. So he's the image. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And so why is this true? Because he made everything for by him, all things uh, are, were all things created. All things were created by him and for him. Now, first Timothy three sixteen. are you able to see that I did it in white and I should have my head examined? Uh, Brother French, see if there's a, uh, the, the, the podium is gone. I just need a, 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 a handkerchief or something. All right. So, uh, if you can see the white, read it with me. We're almost, folks, we're not much further. I know some of you think, oh my goodness, he's, he's all stirred up. All right, and, but help me read it if you would. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Can you say amen? Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that God himself? Now, I have lots of Trinitarian friends will say, I believe that too, Brother French. They tell me every day. I believe that God, yeah. Oh, good. Was that with the other podium? Okay. All right. But what they mean is, now listen to me. Some of you, I know you think, oh, this is just, why do we need this? Well, because it's Christmas. And there's one God and Savior. And he came to this world. Don't tell me there's a multiple gods out there and one of them ended up down here. No, no, no. That's like saying, I've got boys and so I'm going to send my boys to die. I'm going to stay home and do nothing. Now, folks, that is uh, not even reasonable. No, that didn't happen. So, so they will often say God was manifest in the flesh means, well, he, he was God, but he's not the only one. He was God. And then there's another God there. Uh, they would never say it like that. They'd always say person because that's the Nicene Creed. You say there's persons of God and without controversy, great is the mystery. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. God was manifest. The one God. There's only one God. The minute you start playing around. By the way, folks, if you allow for multiple persons, it will never end. It will never end. Oh, my goodness. I could start naming churches right now that, that believe in religions that believe in multiple gods. And they think it's perfectly fine. And in our globalist world, they're telling us, uh, you can never say anything. You've got to get along and so on. Well, that's true. We, we have to get along. We have to be lovely and kind and so on. But we also have to preach the truth. And as we preach the truth, many people are going to get a revelation. Could we pray for them right now? Father, this is a holiday season where people are thinking about you. And I pray that they will come to a, a great revelation.
of who you are. Lord, when they see the goodness of God in that, in that manger and what you did for them, praise God. All right. <clears throat> so basically what I'm talking about right now is the oneness of God. John 10, 30, I and my father are two. Anybody remember that verse? No, it doesn't say that, does it? <clears throat> now, every Trinitarian believes it. I and my father are two. In fact, I had a Trinitarian say to me, uh, he had a PhD, I had a PhD, we were, we were going at it, and he said, and he knew exactly what I believe. He wasn't no dumbbell. And he said, you know and I know that even you believe there were two. The flesh was one and the spirit was the other. And I said, no, no, I will never say that. You won't say that? You won't say that? I said, no, I won't say that because I don't believe that. I believe that the flesh of Jesus Christ, the man Jesus Christ, was more than a man. He wasn't just a man that walked around and talking to another God. He was God. He was God in the morning. He was God in the noontime. He'd reach over there and touch that fevered brow. He was God. So you're not going to say there were two of them. No, I'm not going to say there's two of them. Now there was a father and a son, but they were. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. We're one. And that in itself, you could teach an entire lesson on just those six words. I mean, an entire lesson. Because one is neuter. And you can't imagine how the Greek scholars start flying out of their seats when you begin to explain, well, why would he say, I and the Father are one in the neuter. And so I always say, now let me, let me explain here. There's several options. But uh, I go with the emphatic. Which, in other words, you use neuter to be emphatic. In other words, uh, uh, how many knows that a father and a son are masculine? You don't know that? Anybody know that a father and a son are men? Does anybody know that? Okay. You're scaring me just a little bit. Does any of you, do any of you know that the father and the son would not be women? Do any of you know that? They're not women. The father, I and my father are one. So they would use a masculine for the word one. Because you may not understand that because English doesn't do it. But the Spanish does and Greek does and Latin does and, and most languages do. And they will use a, the gender of a word so you know who they're talking about. That's why words uh, like Julia, see, you know that. We, we do it in English. We just don't, uh, we don't do it the same way the Spanish do. But Julia, we, we would never think that was a masculine name. But if I said Jules, we would. Because, not because in America, but in the British system, more Jules is... Uh, is a masculine word. So in other words, we use words uh, and we give it gender. And so it is, I and the Father are one is neuter. So you start, I, I, could, I could list probably, I don't know how many 
reasons it could be neuter. I, I've never thought about that. There, there's more than, oh my goodness, probably four or five. I think there's at least four reasons that you could use the neuter, even though they're masculine. The father and son are both men, so you should use a masculine, but you don't. Why would you not? Okay, everybody, I'm the oneness guy here. Anybody remember the rule, the emphatic rule? When you want to emphasize, then you use the neuter. Yeah? What's that got to do with it? Well, uh, I think this should be translated, I and the Father, emphatic, are one and the same. That's not what an emphatic is. They're one, not just one, but I'm emphatic about it. It's an absolute emphatic one. That's why you would use neuter. Oh, no, we, can, we don't want that. No, no, we, we can't accept that part of it. Well, why not? Well, because that would be oneness. Yeah, but is the rule correct? Is there a rule that says go to the neuter when you mean to be emphatic? And of course, the answer is yes. Praise God. Now, let's go. We got a, a, a couple more scriptures. Let's see. One, two. One, two. All right, here we go. First Timothy 2. In the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Everybody say, praise the Lord. There's one God, and then the man, Christ Jesus, is is the mediator. In the beginning was the word. Everybody say that. In the beginning was the word. All right. Okay, we, we can't go into this because I can never get out of this verse. All right, so in the beginning, the logos or the word was there. And the word was with God. Everybody say with God. It was with God because how many knows my words are with me? They're with me right now. Okay, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say something and I want you to see if they're with me. Okay, I'm gonna say, okay. Now, let's see if you can guess. The words are with me because they're, they pertain to me and they're in me. The word is with me. So, I, for example, uh, someone made this right here. Who made this, Sister French? Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Someone made this some time ago. And, and so they, they, this, this was in their mind before they made it. It was, it was with them before it was here. It was with the creator, and then they put it here. And so it was with the word. The word was with God. For example, and, and the reason we say it's the word is because God created the world by what? His words. He said what? Let there be light. And what happened? The word gave light. Hallelujah. By the way, that's why you have to praise God with your voice. You have to give him praise with your voice. Let there be light. And there was light. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. But what else? The word was God. Put your hands together. That word that became flesh, that was actually God. In other words, the man that died on the cross, 
Though he was a man, he was actually God. Now the next thing, our, then there are, our Latin friends are gonna say, oh, so you're a patripassionist. You think that God died on the cross? No, a thousand times, no. No, God didn't die on the cross. The flesh, the mediator <laughs> died on the cross. The man died on the cross. But the man, Christ Jesus, was God himself living out an earthly life in a limited existence. For example, he could have called. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Let's praise him one more time. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love this. I love Matthew. Oh, folks, I love this. I love to say that. I'm almost done. See, Matthew said, like Matthew couldn't wait to say it. He could have called 10,000 angels. See, he could have called. He didn't have to die on that cross. Does anybody know he didn't have to die on that cross? He died because he loved you. He loved what it was going to do. And, and this is, of course, all from Hebrews. Hebrews makes this very plain. The word was made flesh. So the God, the very words of God that we're creating, were made flesh in Christ. So just as God's word were made into things, so God's word, his plan, came into the body and became God in human form. And he dwelt among us. Hebrews 2.16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Let's stand. I'm going to read one more verse. Let's, let's close with John 20. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, meaning he walked right through the door, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, and I, you see the ellipses, Reach hither thy hand. Everybody say hand. Take your hand. I find this so interesting because just before this he says, Reach your finger. And then he says, reach your hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas got the revelation and he said unto him, my Lord and my God. That's who the baby in the manger was. The man standing there with his side riven and his hands with nail prints it was our Lord, our God, and our Savior. Can we love him for that right now? Come on, just before we go, get a little inspiration. Lord, you're everything to me. <laughs> you're everything to me, Lord. You're the first and last. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end, Lord. You're everything to me. You are the God. You are the God. You are the God that knows all about us. Lord, I pray that this Christmas we will remember that you are God and that you are Lord and that you are Savior.
Savior. And anyone who thinks they're going to be saved any other way is just mistaken. Lord, help us to let the Spirit flow in such a way that people that are not saved can be saved by the great hand of God. And people are getting nervous, Lord. They're, people are turning to God. I'm seeing things I haven't seen in 30 years. It's beginning to happen in this pandemic because people are getting nervous. And Lord, I believe that you're going to send a revelation. Let's wave our hands to him one more time. Let's just say, Father, I'm committed to it. I pray that revival will come. Lord, I don't want anything in this world to be more important to me than the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that I'll get back. Take me back, Lord. Take me back, oh God, to the place where I once knew you, oh God, and I give you praise for it. Let's bow our heads. Father, keep us tonight. Go with us. And Lord, some that I've kept later than, than I should, Lord, help them and bless each one. Our children, we pray you'll bless them. But Father, keep us safe. I know the enemy has attacked lives. Brother and Sister Yancey are on their way to Mississippi, and you know they shouldn't even have to go, but they have to go. So keep them and, and keep your hand. Just miraculously keep them. Those that are sick, raise them up. And Lord, we give you praise and we thank you for all you're doing on our behalf. And we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And everyone said amen. God bless you. Now, you may not shake hands, but greet, kind of greet one another. I'm going to come out there and, uh, and uh, greet you.